Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Deer Found Her podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk. And for those of you who are new around here, I started a business back in 2010 with a $500 investment. I grew that business to reach 3 million users per month across multiple platforms and generate seven figures in revenue for six years straight. I grew this business through partnerships with Target, Nordstrom, The Honest Company, and hundreds of other brands. This was all before I led my company's acquisition to a large agency holding company in 2019. Two years later, I exited that company with one goal, to support other female founders and businesswomen through their own entrepreneurship journeys. Dear Founder is my twice-weekly letter to you, the incredible women in our community, to do just that. On Tuesdays, you'll hear me interview and share the stories and advice from some of the most successful female founders of our time. And on Thursdays, you'll hear Found Her Files, episodes designed to move your business forward through a specific lesson and actionable steps. This is the podcast that I wanted 13 years ago when I became a female founder. If there is anything that you want to hear about or that you want me to share to help you through your endeavors, I invite you to reach out. You can DM me or you can shoot me an email at lindsay at lindsaypinchuk.com. And if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please make sure that you leave a rating or review wherever it is that you podcast. You have no idea how much that little action means to a small show like mine. That little action helps us to get discovered and it helps us to spread the knowledge and wisdom that we share here each and every week. As we explore the theme of how to start and succeed in your 2.0 this month, I'm very excited to share with you today's guest, Katherine Janicek. Catherine is a three-time Emmy-winning media and public speaking trainer. She uses two decades of experience as a former TV executive, producer, and spokesperson to transform clients to help them connect with their audiences more effectively online, on air, on stage, and in videos. She founded Catherine Janicek Productions in 2015. Her clients are Fortune 50 executives, healthcare and tech startups, biotech and pharmaceutical companies, construction, small businesses, hospital systems, entrepreneurs, and many others. Not only is Catherine my friend, but she is also a client. And knowing what I know about Catherine, she's just getting started. Please come on in and meet my friend, Catherine Janicek. You just heard me talk all about Catherine Janicek and her accolades, but I do want to mention personally how I met Catherine. And I don't even know if she knows or realizes this story, but we started following Catherine at Bump Club and Beyond when she got pregnant because she was very influential in in social media and she was talking and um, sharing things about being pregnant and her journey to pregnancy. And that is really how we found her. And so I followed along on her pregnancy journey and the birth of her daughter. 
And then we somehow linked in with each other. And Catherine and I just kind of went back and forth and we would we would comment on each other's posts. And we never really met, which is kind of crazy because we have all these connections in the world, which is so nuts. And one day Catherine posted on my LinkedIn post, longtime follower, first time caller. And I was so touched and honored because I had also been a longtime follower and I had never been a caller of Catherine. And I followed her and like with bated breath, listening to all of the tips and tricks that she was giving her community and her audience and her clients. And I was so honored that she reached out to me and she did. And she reached out to me to refer a client to me. And then Catherine ultimately became a client and now she's my friend. And I am so honored to have her in my orbit and in my life. And I'm so grateful that you're here to share your incredible story with the listeners of Dear Founder. So Catherine, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. And I had been following you for way longer before that, because I remember, I think I even had you on a show at some point, like WGN or NBC and booked you, but you never saw me because I, you know, I had probably a segment booker or a producer of a line producer actually like handling you that morning, you as the talent. But then when I got pregnant, I really wanted to reach out to you. And I had mutual friends who were like, yeah, just reach out to Lindsay. I'm like, I can't just reach out to Lindsay. Like, no, I had questions about like, I really needed to know about like, you know, car seats and stuff. I'm like, I'm not going to reach out to the founder of this company because I I don't, I'm clueless about what car seat to buy. And I literally had mutual friends say, I'll just introduce you. I'm like, I don't want to bother her. So just, I'm really, I'm so happy we finally met and I, I'm thrilled. I mean, what an honor to be able to work with you and you, you, you helped me so much. And it's just what you've built is incredible. Twice, you know, the ditto. first thing you built and the second thing you built. Ditto. And what you've built is incredible. And I do wish that you would have reached out to me because now I think, you know, that that's how I am, that you can just yes. reach out to me. So, yes. right. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that is, that is how I am. People reach out all the time, but I'm glad that we found each other. I'm glad that you're here. And I would love for you to share in your words. They just heard the intro, but in your words, tell us your story. How did you get to where you are? What do you do? I I was, first of all, I was one of those very few people who knew what she wanted to do, probably from junior high, late elementary school. I was on the newspapers in junior high, junior high and in high school. And then I went to college for broadcast journalism. And I went, you know, I, I moved all around the country working at television stations as a producer, an executive producer. I dabbled in a little bit of reporting and I just, I was not very good at that when I I was about 21, 22. And I used to get just petrified in front of that camera. I'm like, you know what? Management is my thing. So moved all around the country. And then I ended up in Chicago working at WGN and NBC Chicago. And then as a VP of news for a network that went national. And um, I it went under, honestly, and I lost my job. And I started a company and now I've been in business for myself for eight years. And I'm a media trainer and a public speaking coach. So I help people make sure that their message gets across to every audience that they want to reach. And it is it's a joy. You know, I I coached anchors and reporters before, and now I get to coach CEOs and make sure that they're they're heard and that when they're on CNN or MSNBC or Bloomberg News or 60 Minutes, even I've coached people before Good Morning America, Today Show, making sure that they get that return on investment when they, you know, spend that time to get ready and, and be on a big 
network um, television show live or taped. So it is, it's really neat. It's um, I, I feel like I have the best job in the world. <laughs> well, it's interesting because for you, you do have the best job in the world. Do you know what I mean? And you are living a life that so many people who have years of experience want to be living. You have three Emmy awards. You have 25 years of experience and you are monetizing that experience. You have created a business out of it. So when you decided that this was what you were going to do, how do you do that? There are so many people listening who have service-based businesses or who want to have service-based businesses, but don't really know where to start. Where do you start? Well, I followed the demand. I knew that I had this one specific, well, you know, I should check myself because I had lots of skills, but I didn't know, you know, you, when you're in one career, you think, well, this is all I can do. So I can only go and be an executive producer in New York or LA next. Cause that was my next move coming from Chicago because Chicago is the third largest market. So for me, naturally it would have been to go to LA or New York, but for anyone listening to this, I'm going to tell you, kind of paint a picture of where I was at in my life. I was 37 years old. And honestly, if you've ever looked at the numbers for like a single woman in New York, I was afraid, honestly, of, I hadn't, I wasn't married yet. I didn't have a child. And I had this fear that if I went and chased that career in New York or LA, I know this sounds really weird, but I actually had this, made this decision that I wanted to stay home in Chicago for the first time in my life, in my career, I had a home base. I was in Chicago for like 10 years by then. So I had really strong friends. I had a great network and I didn't want to pick up and move again at 37 years old. And, and I felt like if I, since I had this home base, like maybe I would get married and have a child, whatever it was. But I just, I literally just kind of put out a shingle and said, you know, I'm a media trainer. You know, I have 20 plus years of experience working at television stations, coaching CEOs before and big celebrities before they get on my shows, I can do this for you. But then what happened was CEOs and C-suite folks would say, my gosh, what you do with this media training, you could coach my sales teams or my entire company when it comes to public speaking skills. And then those CEOs would say, you know, I've got a speech in Copenhagen at a conference, or I've got, you know, this going on, you know, and I've got to be on a panel. Can you coach me for this? So I honestly just followed demand. It was like literally taking my high school macroeconomics class, like just follow the demand. The demand was saying, Catherine, can you do this? So I would say, yeah, sure, I could do this. You know, had I ever coached anyone before a TEDx talk before that moment or before Shark Tank or something? No, but I just said yes. And I, cause I knew, you know what? It's like a television show. I can do this. In, in television, my job was to make sure that I could keep an audience for 30 seconds more, one more minute, you know, past that commercial break. And it's very much like keeping someone during a podcast or keeping someone entertained when you're doing a 45 minute speech for your, you know, annual, annual meeting. It's very similar. So it was just, I guess, having courage and confidence that I could do it. And I, and then I would do it with the, with success and they would refer me to other people. So most of my business is honestly just referrals because people had success and they told, you know, three or four or five people. And, and then now I'm bringing on more media trainers and more public speaking coaches because we have too, too much business for just me to handle, right? So that's how we're expanding. So one of the things that you just said is you had lots of skills and you could do lots of things. And I think that that's a trap that a lot of us fall into. And I know when I first started my 2.0, I kind of listed out all these things that I could do. And it was a lot of things, but 
you really do have to like hone in on that like one thing, at least when you first go out and market yourself. Would you agree? Or like, do you think that you should go out with a blanket statement? Like, like, how, like how did it work for you? And how did you ultimately translate that into success? I mean, you said you followed the market, but at the same time, there, there were certain things that you did better than others. You're absolutely right. You know, at WGN TV in Chicago, when I was there, it was the beginning of social media. So I was one of the first voices in there saying, we've got to be on Twitter and we've got to, you know, we we have to tell people that we're on air right now or breaking news has to be on. It was literally just Twitter and I think Facebook. And then when I went to NBC, I was like telling all the on-air folks, you've got to have a Facebook page. You have, and I was building and I actually, I ended up building the, the, the most followed Facebook page for the Chicago NBC. And then I was told to consult the LA and the New York stations on how their morning shows could drive people to their Facebook page. So when I started on my own business, I honestly, I made some mistakes because I was like, I could do, I can do your social media. I can, you know, consult you on this. I can do media training. My gosh, I've written people's website before. So I just kind of, it was too watered down. And I did that honestly. Oh, and then I was like, well, I'm a television producer. I've been producing videos for shoot. I field produced for Soledad O'Brien for a year. I did PBS shows. I can also produce all your videos for your websites because I'm a television producer for 20 years. But then what happened was first, I didn't see the return. I didn't see the margins on video production like I wanted to see and that I could see with media and public speaking training. So the margins weren't there just as a business person, right? I was like, these, these, this isn't right. And then also it was just too much. Like, what are you then? What does your company do? Are you a video production company? Are you a social media consultant? Are you, you know, a media and public speaking trainer? So it was confusing to the audience. It was confusing to the client. And I was not you know, you, to do social media, you've got to be in it every day and be an expert and be following, you know, the trends. And I and I couldn't keep up right after I started my own company. So I really had to follow one path. And that's when, honestly, that's when more and more clients started coming. That's when our margins were much, much better. That's when we really, our gross revenue really just started doubling every year is when I focused on one thing. And that was media and public speaking training. And I got rid of all the video production, all the other stuff. Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay. I'm not sure if you're aware, but over the last nine months, I haven't just helped big enterprise brands on their marketing efforts through my consulting firm. I've also helped over a dozen women, small business owners in launching their companies, building their brands, and to tweak what wasn't working. I've been building and growing brands for nearly 25 years, but I've forever used one method to build my own brands and that of my clients and students. My signature suite method utilizes social media, your website, emails, events, partnerships, and publicity to generate and execute cost-effective community-centric marketing strategies. If you're looking for that added layer of guidance, please reach out. There's a link in my show notes. Book a call with me and let's see how I can help you. I can't wait to meet you and learn about your business. Now back to the show. So let's talk about something that no one talks about and you don't have to give numbers, but how do you know what to charge? Because that is, I think, the biggest struggle for a service-based business, a consultant, trainer, coach. What do I charge and, and how do I make that determination? You don't know. <laughs> you, um, I, I don't. I didn't know. Well, I'll, I'll just be, I'm not going to say you, like, I'm not going to no, say I didn't to, know either. that anybody else. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Um, so you, you, I didn't, I didn't know. And you know what? Today, 
year eight, I don't know if I'm undercharging. I know I'm not overcharging because I am landing most clients that come my way. So that does actually make me think that I might be undercharging. But right now I'm happy with what I charge. I I know I was definitely undercharging in the first couple of years, but no regrets. You know what? I, I needed to build a business. I need to build a name. They every year the 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 number does go up and I just see what the market can bear, honestly. You know, because I've never, you know, so, uh, people have reached out and said, you know, I want to do media training. Can you tell me how much you charge? And I, I always find that it's like, gosh, you know, that's really private. You know, that's, that's something I don't put on my website. I don't, I don't make public. Uh, and, and also just because I charge this doesn't mean you could, you could maybe make double that, that I make, you know? So, so I don't want to give a number because it, it might be limiting to somebody else. So how dare me just like put out a number and say, this is what the market will bear because somebody else might have 12 Emmys or might have 10 more years of experience, or just might be more fun to work with. Who knows? So I can't put a number on anyone else's value. I just know that right now, you know, this is what it has been. And I, and I've gone up every year. Right. And it, and it's comfortable. Uh, it's, but it's very, it honestly, nobody teaches that in school. Right. And I, and when I first started my company, I asked a couple of my mentors, I said, should I go get an MBA? Because I know nothing about this. Like, how do you do payroll? You know, how do you, how do you do, should I use QuickBooks? You know, it was very overwhelming, you know, and you make mistakes as you go. I've definitely spent extra on things that I should not have bought. I've definitely burned cash, you know, in the first couple of years, gosh, this year, you know, you may be sometimes hiring the wrong people or whatever it is, but um, you don't know until you, you get some yeses or nos really, honestly. Right. That's such good advice because, and I would say the same thing. I mean, I also asked mentors of mine and people in the recruiting space, like, am I charging the right amount? Is this, do you think, like, what do you think? And it's really just throwing out a number and seeing if someone's going to, pick it up and pick you up and hire you. Right. And then be happy with what they, what they hired. So, I mean, it's, it's very good advice. And that's why I asked it because I know there's no answer and I want you to validate what I say all the time because you have such a successful business and you are happy, which, you know, that's, I think that's half the battle for all of us is finding the sweet spot of happiness. Right. 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 And you want to, you want to make sure you price yourself in a way where when you then have the project, that you're excited about that you don't resent because you gave too low of a number. And then it's like a, it's a hassle, right? It's just like a job. Uh, I definitely think that I probably will go up, you know, at some point for sure, but I feel great right now. I feel like my clients are very happy with the results. I mean, I know they're very happy with the results and I'm happy with the, it's a, it's a win-win, right? It's not, there's no loser. I feel good about what I'm paid and they feel really great about the results. So that's that advice alone is a huge takeaway for everyone who's listening. Like that, what you just said, it's a win-win. I am happy and they're happy. And that is really what, where you want to be. Now you've grown this business. It's been eight years. You have, you have a lot going on. And I know that just from working with you, what does your team look like? Who helps you? I have a couple full-time people. I have, I have, I have employees, right? You know, you can't do this by yourself. And I had advice, not early on, but probably four years ago from people who said, you know, if you can hire, you will double your revenue. You know, someone specifically told me, I'm not saying that every company is the same, 
but it was, it definitely happened. I am so happy that I had the right team in place when the pandemic hit because we didn't lose business. We actually started, you know, we, the first year of the pandemic, we were up 50%. Then we were up another 50. And then this year we're up a hundred percent over last year. So it was, um, or is 50 and then a hundred percent. I can't remember how many years we've been in this pandemic for like 500 years. million years right now. <laughs> so I can't, all I know is we're up 140% this year in 2022, but I, I would not have been able to keep up and do it unless I had hired people. Right. So I have a client success manager. I have a virtual assistant. I actually have two virtual assistants. I um, have, you know, a personal assistant. Uh, I, you've got, you have to have people because well, one is I can't work 16 hours a day. I used to definitely do that, but I, I now have a three-year-old who I want to be done with at five o'clock, or I want to be done with work at five o'clock so I can be her mom. And I want to, you know, be an attentive partner, wife, you know, all that good stuff. So um, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not a good life to be working 16 hours a day, but, um, and also when I'm training a client, they're answering emails, right. And they're keeping things going. It's. You need a good team. That I will agree with. And I cannot wait till I'm in a position to hire a good team as well, because I, I agree with you. And, and oftentimes when you pay your team first, to your point, you then supersede the amount of money that you're making. So, right. I could not go after the kind of business that we're going after right now if I didn't have a strong team. Yeah. I, you know, year one, year two, like I was creating the PDFs that I would say, you know, someone would say, you do you have six tips on what do I do right before I get on camera? So then I'd be the one who's like in Canva, designing them on, on graphics, you know, putting the graphics together and then sending it out. But I can't then go after, you know, new business emails that come in if I'm creating things, you know, graphically on Canva. That just doesn't work. I, I had a CEO last week who was asking me like, that exact thing. They said, you know, what software do you use? What, you know, in, in, how did you do? And I said, first of all, I'll call him Doug. You should not be doing that because if you're sitting there trying to create graphics on Canva, you are not going to be, you know, ex, you know, expanding your company for 2023. That's just not, and you know, everyone's heard this. You don't do, if you're, if you charge, say you charge $250 an hour, you don't want to be doing $40 an hour jobs, right? Because you need to be doing the $250 an hour jobs or the 1000 an hour jobs, whatever it is that you make, you should not be doing the 20 or $40 an hour jobs, just like getting someone to clean your house, right? In that three hours or four hours it takes on a Saturday to clean your house. Why would you be doing that when it's a $40 an hour job or a $30 an hour job? That's that's just not good business. No, it's not good business. And it's great advice. How do you replicate yourself, Catherine? Because you have a business that's based on you and your expertise. You talked about bringing in other media trainers. Um, but when you have a service-based business, oftentimes the scalability is really your greatest challenge. And so how do you scale Catherine Janicek? There are really talented people out there. <laughs> I am bringing on amazing media and public speaking trainers who have a ton of experience in, in the business from different regions across the country. 
And I'm going to teach them our way that has been extremely successful with Fortune 100, Fortune 50, Fortune 30 companies. Like as we've we've landed some really awesome clients and hospitals and doctors and and our way really works. And so I will in, you know teach them our system. And um, I'm excited about that. We have two people right now who we're training and and who will be. Um, and we'll be probably three or four more public speaking and media trainers uh, by the end of 2023. Will these people be employees of yours or will they be contractors of yours? How do you how do you frame that out to best work for your business model? Uh, as a, you know, I'm going to just quote my my CFO. So we at this year, this year we brought on a fractional CFO. I'm not going to say he's not a full time CFO. I'm not. I'm not there yet, <laughs> but um, we have a fractional CFO who's been really amazing as far as coaching me on this. And they are, if they have their, if they're still in the business, like if they're still, if they still have a, a full-time employer, then they're a contract worker, right? They're a contract employee for me. If they are retired or out of, you know, that this is, this is what they're doing. If they're freelancing as this, then they're a W-2, right? As you say, they're an employee. But um, yeah, these are all things I've been learning this year. <laughs> well, no, and I'm and I'm so glad that you you're being so honest about this because these are all things that we as business owners learn. Like you didn't come into this knowing what a 1099 and a W two was and how it impacts your bottom line, but that's something that you looked to this fractional CFO to help guide you on, and now you know. And not to say you're doing it because you have the fractional CFO, but you have the knowledge now. And that's so important as someone who starts a business to ask and to get that knowledge so that you can better your business and grow your business. You know, I th- I look back when I was in my 20s and I was out there getting stories, right? I'm getting getting sound bites from a Decatur soybean farmer or someone who runs this, you know, does is a stock expert for soybeans or something. And I remember when I was 22, 21 years old, and I was always afraid to ask questions because I didn't want, I mean, I was there to ask questions, but if they said something that was over my head, I remember just being afraid to look dumb. And that actually hurt the story because I I didn't have a very clear understanding of the story. And so then I couldn't tell the story in the way it needed to be told. And I always look back at that. It's just a something that I've learned that you just can't do. And especially when you own a company, the more questions you can ask and not be afraid of the numbers. I was in a program four years ago. It's called 10,000 Small Business um, Small Businesses, and it's run by Goldman Sachs and Wharton. And I remember just sitting there, 22 uh, founders, 22 uh, CEOs sitting there, small business owners. And I was afraid to ask the questions. And here are these amazing experts in the room. But I'm at this point right now where I'm I'm not afraid. If I hire, you know, a fractional CFO, I sit there and those guys, they're working because I keep them over uh, sometimes our meetings because I'm just asking them so many questions. I want them to show me the numbers. I don't want to ever be that person who's like, oh, I've got a bookkeeper who's doing that. You know, I trust she's got it. Or I have this fractional CFO who's going to make sure that my numbers are good and that my taxes are paid and I'm paying the right amount and all that good stuff. I want to have a really good understanding of it so I can make more money or I can have better margins. You know what I mean? I don't want to just have a great gross. You know, I want to make sure that I have a great net. And then, and I also want to make sure I have more than that so I can maybe my big thing is I just want to employ more people. Like I want to create more jobs. That's the the coolest thing about being a business owner is somebody this year was able to buy a house because she had an inc- a very good income from what I had created. 
And I wouldn't have that if I was still working at a TV station. And I only bring that up as a TV station because that's all I know, right? You right. know, for 20 years working at TV stations. But if I was an employee of a TV station, I wouldn't be able to say someone was able to go close on a house this year because of an income I was able to give her. And, and you know, I'm going to create a maternity leave for her in May because I don't have one now, but like I'm going to be able to construct some kind of cool maternity leave. But I wouldn't, you know, but I ask questions. I ask a bunch of other business owners, like, what does your maternity leave look like? What is the, you know, what's not the minimum, but like, what, what does someone want? Is it eight weeks? Is it nine weeks? Is it three months? You know, what, what do people need? What, what kind of health insurance should I offer my, my um, employees? But I just, I have learned to go back to journalism and just ask a ton of questions because I won't know. And I can't, we can't act like we have the answers. We have to really ask a lot of questions or and the you questions know, or, and the answers you get lead to success. I mean, that's it totally to success on your end. And for you with this employee of yours, she's a long-term employee and you want to keep her. And so you are asking the questions to keep her and make her happy. So she wants to come back after she has the baby, right? Like exactly. I mean, and that's so important as a business owner, you know, I just, I remember with my first few employees, like they were with me for five, six, seven, eight years. And it's because of those things. I asked questions. I offered health insurance. I, I did what they needed to keep them in my business. And ultimately they were my biggest champions. Yes. And I would be, I can't wait until I get to go, you know, oh, she's been with me for five years, which, you know, it's, um, but the biggest thing is just, yeah, if we don't ask these questions, if we don't ask that fractional CFO, you know, what's the best way for me to bring these, these folks on, you know, how do I, how do I get the best health insurance for them? So they're happy. And they're not like, you know, what kind of bogus health insurance is this maternity leave? You know, I don't know what a maternity leave looks like because I had my child when I, I had already had my company. So I didn't have really a maternity leave because I didn't give myself a maternity leave. I was training the president of the College of American Pathologists after four weeks after I had given birth. And I remember that moment where I was like literally standing in front of him and there were there was a second and it, it probably was one second, but it felt like five minutes to me that I had no words. Like there were no words in my brain for just like literally a second and I couldn't <laughs> grasp. And I'm like, at that moment, I was like, oh, this is why we need maternity leave. You literally are not ready to go back to work. Your brain isn't ready. Your body's not ready. And that's when I had that moment of like, no one in my company is going to go without a maternity leave. Like that's that just, you're not ready. <laughs> you're not ready. No, and it takes the experience to understand what what others need, you know? Yes. It does. Yeah. So when you look at your social media and you look at the comments that people leave you and how people react and engage to what it is that you put out into the world, people love you. I mean, really and truly, your clients love you and the people who follow you love you. Your community loves you. You ha you just said you have a referral-based business and that referral-based business leads to, you know, that community online and the community online leads to the referral-based business. It really is a, a, a cycle, right? How do you ensure that you have those positive experiences for both the community at large and for your customers in order to have that referral-based business? Because you really have not invested in marketing. You haven't had to. Mm -mm. Do the job, right? Show up, do the job to the best of your ability. 
I have fun too. I'll be honest. Like Mike, I have fun with my clients. I really, when you have your own business, you can choose your clients. Like I don't take everybody who comes my way. And so I get to work with Wednesday night. I got a text very last minute from uh, one of my clients who's a neurologist, neuroimmunologist at Yale. And she said, Hey, I just got booked for Toronto television. Celine Dion has stiff person syndrome. Can you jump on and help me? Like if I didn't love my job, I'd be like, gosh, this is after hours. Right. And I just, I was said, Hey, you know, husband, (laughs) can you (laughs) finish dinner? You know, I got to jump on and, you know, and, and we had a good time. Like it was just, it's fun. I really, you know, and, and I, I, I don't want to say go the extra mile because it's not the extra mile. I just do the job. What is the job need? I do the job and I, and I don't stop until the job's done, I guess, you know, and, and that's how you get success and, and have a good time, you know, and, and you can have a good time when you, when you get to pick and choose who your clients are. Right. And, and when you enjoy being with them and I enjoy all of my clients, I just, I'm, I feel really lucky. I feel really lucky. What's been the biggest struggle in growing this business? Sometimes it's trusting your gut. I think when you're hiring people, when you are trying to price something, the big, you know, I'll just mention one thing because there's been, there's a lot of things. I think, you know, I want to go back to that pricing thing because sometimes you sit there and you put a number down and then you change the number, right? And you're like, and you're literally valuing yourself at that moment. It's kind of like if you weigh yourself every week or if you, you know, get on that scale, you're literally like, you know, what is my worth? Like what every time you put that 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 number on a proposal, I sometimes sit there and then I'll go and delete some a number or delete a zero or whatever. And I'll be like, and and I actually have one someone on my team who sometimes will sit there on Zoom with me and say, ah, oh, Catherine, I see what you're doing. You're devaluing yourself. You know, you are, don't change that number. This is what you're worth. And usually they say, yes, it's like, but I think the biggest struggle is, is not undermining yourself, like not devaluing yourself, not giving yourself, you know, making sure that you remember your value and what you bring, because sometimes you just want to get the deal or you want to please someone, you know, you just want them to, to like you, right. I want you to work with me and and like me. But at the same time, you know, you've got to make sure this is a business, right? And this is what this is worth. And you've got to put the number down that it's that it's actually, what is the value? And honestly, the value is far greater than the number that they're ever paying. You know, these folks go on and they get so much business after they knock it out of the park on stage or do an incredible sales webinar or whatever it is, or, you know, are on MSNBC or Bloomberg. They see that value for years to come. But it's sometimes it's really hard to put that number down and because we sit there and we just second guess ourselves. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. 
Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. One of the things that you and I talked about before we hopped on was this this management of authenticity versus following societal norms, because there are societal norms when it comes to presenting yourself in public. But to your point, when we were talking, there's this whole, you know, movement right now that everyone needs to show up authentically as their as themselves. So how do you kind of walk that fine line with your clients? And what is the advice that you give to clients? Because a lot of people who are listening today are very visible on social media. They're, many of them are struggling with how to put themselves out on social media, which goes along with what you do every day. It's video. It's being in the public eye. How is it that you tell your clients and direct your clients to kind of straddle the horse here? I battle sometimes with what I do for a living because I'm a media and public speaking coach. So I walk in a room and sometimes I'm telling a president or a CEO to do something or dress a little differently or change their body language or their facial mannerisms or the way that they breathe or speak. And it's honestly just because there are societal norms where I didn't, I didn't create them. Right. Or subconsciously, this is how you are perceived when you, you know, furrow your brow. Oh oh gosh. Are you mad at me? Are you, you know, am I in trouble? That's what someone you manage might think when you, when they walk into a room and you are doing that with your face. And it's not that I am saying this, you know, it's just, this is our caveman what we do, how we think about you when you do that, right? So I do battle it. And it's in and yeah, I, I mean, I I want to be myself every day, but I also know I always give this example. I was born with a really barky voice and it sounds like I'm mad. If I just talk in my normal voice, it sounds like I'm really mad all the time. <laughs> you know, when I was in second grade, I had boys that would ride by my house and call me man voice because I've literally had this voice since I was in second grade. Well, guess but what, I've Catherine, learned... I have too. So, and, right? and yes, I've had a deep raspy voice my entire life. It's And that's me. But I've learned that when I want to get something out of someone, like on the phone, uh, or, you know, I had an unpleasant experience somewhere and I'm trying to ask, you know, like for something I have to smile. And that's just, I know that that's, I'm going to get more out of somebody if I smile when I'm speaking and this, the sound of your voice changes. So it is something that I I'm so well aware of that. I'm literally telling men and women to tweak something about themselves and not be exactly how they may feel like they need to be, but it's all about adapting your communication skills. So you get what you want out of that meeting or out of that speech or whatever it is. So it is, it's, yeah, I, I like talking to you about that because it is something I battle because I, I struggle with that. I'm literally telling someone, but I, I do tell the clients, I say, you know, gosh, this isn't so, trust me, I, like, I wish I could tell you too, that you could have nails, you know, that are 
three inches long. But you know what? If you had yellow nails that are three inches long and you're doing a Zoom call or a webinar, that could be distracting to the audience. So that's why I would just say cut them down and make them naked or just, uh, you know, cut, cut them down short because I don't want someone to be looking at that instead of hearing what you have to say. I want to make sure that you're seen and you're heard and you're remembered in the way that you want to be seen and heard and remembered, right? How do you change that direction when you're talking to someone about showing up on social media? Because it's definitely a different approach, right? Like showing up on social media is for the most part, I would say more casual than showing up on a stage or showing up in a boardroom. So would your thought process be different there? If, if you're, I'm putting you to work right now. Yeah, I know. It (laughs) depends on what your role is like, what, not, not even just what your role is now, but who you want to be in a year or five years, you know, if you, yeah, I mean, I've had to come in and tell people to, gosh, you're going out for this residency. You're here because you have failed, you know, in the past to get your, um, this, I've coached some doctors and they are trying to get a residency and they have failed. And then they come to me and they're like, please coach me before my next interview, because I really need to land this. Okay. And then I look through their social media and they've got a bunch of stuff that just might not be something that they want to show off. Right. So I tell them to delete all that stuff. It might be, and I'm not saying that's not why they got the job, but like, why have that distraction there where, you know, it could be smoking a joint or having a drink and beers and they're all over or passed out on a couch, whatever it is. Why have that distraction if you are supposed to be showing like this healthy, you know, image of a doctor, right. And, and you're going out for this job. So, so social media, it, it might be a little different, but I don't really see it being very different. You know, it should reflect uh, upon who you are and the perception that you want to give. Right. What about though, on social media, like when like you show up as a person, like, you know, how you and I go into our stories, like that's a little more casual than it would be giving like a keynote speech. Right. Sure. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, wh- people want to see all those layers of the onion anyway. Right. They want to see that you're, I I've had CEOs who I've had a tell literally this happened a couple of weeks ago. He said, I never post on LinkedIn. I just post like articles. And I said, well, you know what? Your daughter just won a major state tournament on Sunday. And I only knew that because he was live, you know, on our zoom call in that city. And I said, that's a great post, like that you're a proud dad. And that, um, you know, you show a picture of her, she was a goalie and she is a goalie and the whole team, like, you know, on top of her and like, just say, I'm a proud dad and congratulations to all the teammates and can't wait to see what next year looks like. That was the highest engagement post on LinkedIn that he's ever had. And and it was perfect. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't really off brand at all. It was totally on brand. He's yes, he's a CEO, but he's also a father of a 22 year old or 21 year old college athlete. So it's perfect, but people do business with people. They don't do business with a logo or a, or a company, you know, name. Thank you for they, saying that. Right. And so, and, and honestly, and that's why I, I try to get CEOs to actually show up on social media because of the fact that, you know what, if I'm looking and say, I'm looking for a job and I see that the CEO is that cool that he's talking about his, his daughter and he's so proud. I'm like, I want to work for that guy. I want to work for that woman, you know? That's why it's so important showing all those things. Well, and I was just going to say showing up everywhere and showing up consistently everywhere is what makes people drawn to other people. I mean, that's what draws them in, right? So yes. to your point, like yes, you can be on a stage. 
mean, it's very similar to what you just said to me at the top of our conversation. Like you, you said, I did not think I could reach out to you and, you know, and, you know, and I didn't want to reach out to you. You were, you know, you were the founder of this company, but like, you know, me now and you see me now on social media and it's the same thing for any big CEO. They can't just show up on the stage and then not show up anywhere else. They have to present consistently. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Yep. So I know that you have a lot going on. You have a lot in your pipeline. And I would love to give you the opportunity to tell everyone listening what's coming up for Catherine Genesic Productions, because there's going to be a lot of opportunity for people to take away your content and to work with you on various levels. And you just have a lot that people can benefit from. The most exciting thing I think right now is this new year, we have communities where you can join and you don't have to find time in your schedule to have a one-on-one coaching hour with me or, you know, or have your company sponsor a one day, you know, intensive with our company. Now you can join a subscription-based community where we're going to be giving you training on a weekly basis with all kinds of experts, our, our, you know, our stylist, our makeup consultant, our, our public speaking trainers, our vocal trainers, me, you know, media training, whatever it is. But if it's, you're trying to go for the next, you know, level of, you know, you're trying to interview for a cool job, or you're trying to move up to become department head, or you have a speech coming up, or you want to pitch yourself in the media, you're going to get all that kinds of training inside of these communities. So that's what I'm really excited about because I can help more people at one time instead of people trying to, you know, find time to, to meet with us. So it's going to be also a lot less expensive too, to be in one of these communities. And I just think that I'm really, really excited about the opportunity to be able to help more people worldwide. And also those folks to be able to meet each other, right? Like-minded people who are really looking for this kind of skill set to level up their careers. I'm gonna- and I'm really excited about this new virtual reality class that <laughs> I it's on it's on Oculus. Like now it's the I'm the first ever, it's just crazy to me to honestly, I'm the first public speaking and media coach on virtual reality ever. And we shot the class a couple months ago and now it's on Oculus. And you can just put on the goggles and get it's like seven module class on public speaking training and and whether like I you know whether you're going out for your first job or you're going out for you know to get to a director level or vp or you're interviewing for partner you're going to get some incredible skills there and and at your own time right on demand instead of feeling like you got to find it in your schedule to get me out to to where you are we're going to make sure to link to that in the show notes too so that people can find it Before I let you go, I want you to share the same thing that I ask every founder here to share. And that is three actionable tips that you would tell to another female founder who's just getting started. Trust your gut. Trust your gut. Get a good CPA who comes highly referred, like don't just find someone, but make sure that other people have had success with them. And take time for yourself because if you're frazzled, you're not going to think clearly and then you'll make mistakes. There's a ton other ton of other things you should do. But if you're not doing that, everything else goes to pot. Like you've got to make sure that you're taking time 
to meditate, work out, whatever it is, because the more overwhelmed and you're going to be overwhelmed, but the more that comes at you, you can't handle it if you're not taking care of yourself. Catherine Janicek, founder of Catherine Janicek Productions. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story with us, your knowledge and your wisdom. And I would encourage everyone to follow Catherine because the tips that she gives on LinkedIn and on Instagram and in her communities this January are invaluable to any professional out there. So thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Are you kidding me? It's Lindsay. Catherine is incredible, isn't she? You are 100% going to want to follow her on Instagram and connect with her on LinkedIn. The links are in the show notes. She has so much on the horizon and her tips are relevant to all of us. It doesn't matter what sector of business you're in, you can benefit from Catherine's knowledge and wisdom. As always, I'll be sending out today's takeaways to my email list. So make sure that you subscribe to the link that is in the show notes. But for now, here are my top five takeaways from today's conversation. Number one, where do you start with a service-based business? You follow the demand. It was courage and confidence that led to Catherine's success and ultimately her word of mouth referrals. Number two, figure out what it is that you don't want to do. Follow the one path of what you love to do. That is when more clients will come. That is when gross revenue will increase and when your margins will go up. Number three, show up and do the job to your to the best of your ability. That is how you get more jobs and how you get more customers. It's not going the extra mile, it's doing the job. Number four, the biggest struggle is making sure you remember the value in what you bring. Number five, people do business with people. They don't do business with a logo or a name. Show your personality, show what's important to you, build your connection. Sound familiar? Do you see why I love Catherine so much? I want to thank Catherine so much for being here and for sharing her story. And thank you to everyone who listened to today's conversation. Please make sure that you leave a rating or review. If you like what you're hearing on the show, again, that helps us to get discovered. It helps us to spread the knowledge and the wisdom from all of the guests that we have here on Dear Founder. And please make sure that you tune in every Tuesday and Thursday for another episode of Dear Founder, wherever it is that you podcast.